that I heard time and time again. I think I asked a dozen people, you know, if they've ever heard of VRMA and not one of them said yes. So it's kind of cool. I love, I mean, some people, you know, I don't know, have not necessarily a negative connotation with it, but, you know, the old guard uh, vacation home managers, but I absolutely love it. It's new energy coming into this space that is bringing some new creative ideas and they're really smart. And they're doing things differently. And I love that. And it, you know what? It allows everybody to grow. This industry is big enough uh, for everybody. And it's just really cool to see that. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Buzicruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. If you're like most Airbnb hosts, you likely started hosting as a side hustle. Perhaps your initial goal was just to cover the mortgage on your vacation home or make a few extra bucks for the kids' college savings. Or maybe it was even your very first real estate investment. But if you're listening to this podcast, chances are your Airbnb side hustle is becoming a real business. Now it feels like a full-time job and you might even be sleeping less than your guests. If this sounds more or less like your story, then you'll be ecstatic to meet today's sponsor, Host Labs. Think of Host Labs as the Robin to your Batman or the Yin to your Yang. Host Labs partners with short-term rental owners and operators like you so you can get away from the daily hosting chores and spend your time planning the next chapter of your business. Host Labs partners with you to set up seamless operations for your short-term rental business so you can focus on working on your business and not just in it. They do this by walking alongside you as you set strategic growth goals, determine how best to build your technology stack, and their in-house recruiting agency is the perfect resource for when you're ready to start scaling your team. Host Labs doesn't just tell you or show you what to do. They ensure that the job actually gets done, whether that be reducing your monthly burn or finding a new cleaning team. So if you're ready to keep growing your portfolio, Host Labs is here to help you turn your dream of owning a really cool hospitality business into a reality. You can get started with a free consultation to see if Host Labs might be the right match for your business at hostlabs.co. That's .co as in C-O forward slash B-T-S as in behind the stays. And if you decide to work with them, you'll qualify for an exclusive discount when you reference behind the stays during your chat with one of their team members. Again, that's hostlabs.co, C-O forward slash B-T-S. All right, guys, back to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Brooke Fouts, founder and CEO of Vintory, the only sales and marketing platform on the planet that is exclusively dedicated to helping professional vacation rental managers grow their inventory. Brooke is one of the industry's most respected experts, so it was an honor to get him back on the podcast to discuss his new book, Vacation Rental Secrets. This book is a collection of the short-term rental industry's top experts disclosing their biggest mistakes and sharing the hard lessons that they've had to learn building their respective businesses. Brooke and I discussed some of the most meaningful lessons that these interviewees shared in the book. We discussed some unpopular opinions that he has about the current state of the industry. We talk about the opportunity that he sees for entrepreneurs to build new businesses in and around hospitality and some of the hot takes that he has on the future of the industry. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Brooke. All right, Brooke, we are live. Welcome back to the show, man. How are you doing? 
Super excited to be here, man. Thanks for thanks for having me as always. Yes, uh, it, it's a pleasure. I enjoy our, our chats both on podcasts and also just on, on LinkedIn. It's always it's always fun to kind of hear what you're thinking about. Uh, follow your your various series that you do uh, on LinkedIn. So for folks who are tuning in that aren't aren't following Brooke, I highly recommend that you connect with him. Uh, I'll be sure to have your your profile in the a link to your profile in the show notes below. But um, I'm excited to get you back on the show because last time, uh, I guess since you were last on the show, you've published a new book. Uh, and that book is called Vacation Rental Secrets. And you did something really cool. You went and I believe interviewed some of the the best players in, in the space and in the industry collected their stories. And I am just excited to hear a, a little bit about some of those yeah. learnings that you that you garnered from from this great work. So um, thanks for coming on and uh, excited yeah. to dive in. Yeah, so thanks for having me again. But uh, it, it's funny because I, I didn't have any intention of writing another book. I did write a book uh, previously a couple of years ago. I wrote a book called uh, From Zero to 500 Properties in Five Years, uh, a playbook on how to grow your short-term vacation rental inventory. But I had no intentions of writing another book. Um, but here's kind of the background on the story and kind of how it came to be. So yeah. it was it was Easter Sunday, you know, the extended family all left. I was exhausted, you know, and uh, poured myself a big glass of wine, sat down on the couch and flipped on my phone and, and looked at LinkedIn. And I saw a post from a, a gentleman in a completely different industry, huh. in the, the SASA space. And he uh, he posed a question. He's like, uh, share some of your top 10 mistakes you made. Um, and I was like, that is brilliant, you know, from so many different ways. A, I just, you learn from your mistakes, right? Yeah. That's the best way you can learn. And second, there was something about like all these leaders that were contributing um, these, you know, the idols that I've had in in that industry, you know, being very vulnerable and talking mm. about how they made those mistakes. So I, I copied and I just sent it to a couple. I sent it to like four friends in the space and I said, you know, hey, you mind sharing this? And my friend Ryan Dame, uh, one of the co-owners of Casago, great, great guy. He responded almost immediately. Next morning, I posted it on LinkedIn. And that was it. Just wow. want to see how it went. But it, Zach, it, it like went viral, man. It like it just it was a crazy how like the the feedback and the response and and everything. And then the other three people responded as well. So I posted those, and you know for the next you know the second, the third, and the fourth day in a row. So every morning at six a.m. I'd post it. And again, the the response was just so fantastic that I was like, you know what, I think I'm onto something. So yeah. I asked a couple other friends. And then believe it or not, I had people actually reaching out to me, like, you know, like I've never met before. They were like sharing their mistakes with me. It was like they were like in confession or something, you know, confiding with me. And for the next 52 days straight, every single day at 6 a.m., I posted another leader's uh, top 10 mistakes. Wow. And again, I, you know, early on, didn't have any intentions of making it into a book. And then I went to a conference. I went to the Northwest VRP conference and a gentleman came up to me. He introduced himself. He's like, you've never met before. Uh, uh, but I, I want you to know I, how much I love this series. Yeah. I actually print out every one of them and I put wow. it in a little three ring binder and I've made my own little book <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And at that point I was like, all right, this content's just too freaking good not to, to share. So that's when I, I consolidated it, made it into a book. And here's the format of the book. The first half is just everybody's raw, uh, mistakes. Yeah. I mean, when I say raw, I mean, misspellings and everything. We didn't edit anything. Wow. Um, and then the second half of the book, what I found was that we all made kind of the same mistakes. Hmm. It all bucketed very nicely into like 10 different categories. So what I did is I then that was where the actually more thought had to happen. I had to consolidate. I had to consolidate them. I had to organize them. I had to bucket them. I had to add some context and some flavor around it. And that was like, so the second half of the book is 10 chapters. Each chapter kind of focuses in on one of the major mistakes that most people made. So wow. yeah, that was it. And, but it was kind of crazy. So where the first book probably took me well over a year from beginning to end to, to publish. Uh, this one from the first LinkedIn post until I had the first copy of a book in my hand was only three and a half months. Oh my gosh. That is yeah. impressive. That is that is remarkable. I, I love the model too because I mean it's not like it's 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 not new, right? I think about I'm a big like Tim Ferriss uh, nerd, and I I've like followed him for for years. Um, and you know what he does or what he's done with some of his latter books uh, is he basically just goes and he sends the same questions or some version of the questions to a bunch of influencers and 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 creators and remarkable uh, industry leaders in in their respective spaces and asks them, hey, what what book recently in the last you know couple of years? 
have you given out most to folks, right? Like what's a bit, what, what's a mistake that you made in the last year? What's your favorite purchase for under a hundred dollars, right? Uh, over the last 12 months, whatever it might be. And these questions are, are just, are, are, are simple really. Like they're, they're not super sophisticated questions, but what makes it interesting is you're getting people who are leaders in, in their respective uh, arenas answering the same question, but in wildly different ways, right? And, and that's, I think, what, what makes it interesting. And then, right, you get to market the book by saying, hey, this has thoughts from all these people that you follow all over on social media and that you've heard it, yeah. you know, speak at industry events and, and whatnot. So I imagine the marketing of it uh, was actually oh, yeah. relatively easy, all things considered. Well, first off, it was promoted from, you know, for the 52 days, you know, in advance yeah. <laughs> that people were following it. And uh, so and then then you think about it, it was all crowdsourced. You yeah. know, they really wrote the content. Obviously, I, you know, I pulled it all together um, and, you know, packaged it, but they really wrote it. If you think about it, that's why, for the record, like I'm not making a dime from this book. All proceeds, 100 percent of these proceeds go to uh, vacation rental uh, advocacy efforts, 100 wow. uh, of them. So. Um, but yeah, but then now I have a whole entire 52 people like marketing the book for me as well. And, uh, we're gonna be doing some cool things at Vera May and, uh, uh, with the book and giving it out. And, you know, we got some contests around, uh, you know, see how many signatures you can get of, uh, the co-authors, uh, as well. Uh, we'll give out some prizes for that. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it, dude. Uh, you're, you're a good marketer, uh, Brooke. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a good team that does very good marketing. <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> uh, I love it. I am curious, like what, what were a couple, uh, you know, maybe two or three kind of learnings from, from yeah. this experiment that, that really stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, again, there were so many commonalities, but the the big ones that really resonated with me, um, well, first off, was team. Like, just how important team is, mm. you know, in building up that that team that you have. Um, one of my idols, uh, Clark Twitty, uh, he says uh, this business, as with so many others, remains very simply all about people. Mm. It contains a lot of other things, but everything is wrapped up in good people, and I thought that was really good. Mm. Um, but it, it comes down under you know team in specific. There's you know a couple sub bullets, but the the ones I'll highlight now are you know, hiring. Um, so Sarah Bradford talked about, you know, hiring employees. Uh, one of her big mistakes was hiring employees without really vetting them and not having an organized training program and regularly checking in with them. Um, and then there was a couple other uh, people like James Mannings uh, down in uh, Orlando said not fully understanding the importance of finding the right personalities that fit within that company culture. But kind of on the other side of it, too, it wasn't really just hiring the right people, getting, you know, the proverbial, you know, Jim College, uh, Jim Collins, you know, good to great yeah. uh, book where he talks about um, getting the right people on the bus and getting them in the right seats. But there's a lot about firing. Hmm. It's amazing how often people talked about they did not fire quickly enough. They yeah. knew they should have. And there was a quote that said, was not in the book, but this is a quote that has always resonated with me. It said, um, nothing will kill a great employee faster than watching you tolerate tolerate a bad one. Hmm. Um hmm. But Mike Harrington, uh, former founder of Carolina Retreats, sold that company. He made a really candid admission. He says, you know, I hate this part of the job. It's not a, a I'm not a great people manager, but sometimes this has to be done. And it's uh, not about you. It's about the entire team and that a bad hire can affect. Wow. And uh, another gentleman, Jason Sprinkle, uh, formerly of 360 Blue, who's now uh, CEO of Key Data Dashboard. He says uh, it's never easy with to referencing, you know, firing people. And I was awful at it. As a people pleaser, I wanted someone to understand the full context of why they're being fired. So I always began with a deep explanation. He's like, I learned from Ashley, his, his CEO, uh, to start with, we've decided to let you go. It's still something that no one wants to hear, but it was a vastly better approach and I've never done in any way since. So wow. that whole talking about team, hiring and firing was a, a big one. Um, another one that really surprised me, and well, it shouldn't have surprised me because I'm a big believer in, it's called, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Entrepreneurial Operating System or EOS. Yeah. Um, we follow that, you know, and we've been following that from day one here, but just how many people have incorporated incorporated EOS into their businesses and, and the impact that they say it's had. I mean, Matt Durrett, um, talked about, I mean, Matt's got a you know nice fancy MBA. He said he learned more from EOS and the book Traction than he did in his big fancy, you know, MBA degree, uh, which probably cost him, a, you know, $100,000 or, or more. Um, and then CJ Stam and uh, Kirsten King said the same thing is, you know, one of those big mistakes was not fully implementing EOS or a similar business uh, operating system uh, that facilitated change management improvements uh, sooner. So, um, yeah, there's a couple uh, takeaways there. And then, of course, you had the old one, uh, which obviously resonates really well with me, you know, being the founder and CEO of Inventory. But 
talking about like not, you know, is around in inventory and growing yeah. that inventory and not having a real proactive plan of, of doing it, uh, not setting aside budget and, um, you know, realize not realizing how effective it was to the, to the bottom line, but there are 10 major chapters. So obviously we can't go through all of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the, I appreciate those, those, those insights. And did, did any of them surprise you? Like as you were aggregating these responses from folks, like, because, you know, you think about building teams, right, firing, hiring appropriately, thinking about business growth, right? These are these are challenges that anyone who's really build, building any sort of business, right, like has has at some point. But but were there any specific responses that that either caught you off guard or or that you you thought were maybe louder than than you would have thought, if that makes sense? Yeah, so um I think the one that kind of got me a little bit and the reason I ended the the book with uh it was actually our bonus section. So there's technically 11 sections and it's titled Taking Care of Yourself. Don't take it personally and don't forget to celebrate the wins. Hmm. So just that that one I think surprised me a little bit, you know, like where we, they were talking about like Sarah Bradford talked about one of her temptations was, you know, thinking I had to do it all uh at first, you know, be a mom with twins. Um, print the owner checks, answer the phones, answer every email within an hour and head up every initiative. And it's just like creating those kind of those boundaries and, and taking care of yourself. I mean, really one that really hit me uh, was Brian Olson. Um, and uh, he talked about like literally being carted out on an ambulance at the live res conference Jeez. and staying in the hospital for a couple of weeks and having to get heart surgery. And just because he really was so focused on the business that he wasn't taking care of himself. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that one really hit me and I actually, you know, saw him, you know, being carted off and it was just a really sobering event, you know, when you see something like that and look, this business is hard. It is really hard. I mean, it is a grind, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, um, it, you know, it, it takes a toll. So I think you do need to create those proper, proper boundaries. You need to take care of yourself, uh, and you do need to celebrate the wins and, you know, don't forget, you know, you're, you're selling vacations for, for God's sake. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. What What about things that people didn't say that that surprised you? Like, was there any was there any content that you that you were sure would be there, and you know, it either wasn't there or or to the extent that you thought it might be there, it was uh, underwhelming. Well, I just. It, it was amazing. Um, yeah, there was obviously re reference to, you know, OTAs and direct bookings and things like that, but there really wasn't a lot. You know, it's mm. like, I feel like that's like when you go to these conferences, it's like, that's all you hear about yeah. is direct bookings, direct bookings, yeah. direct bookings. And, you know, uh, AT OTAs are evil and, you know, all these different things, but there really wasn't a lot of talk of uh, around OTAs. And, huh. I mean, one of the things I will tell you, this is one of the things I wish people would have talked about. And maybe this, just because I'm a nerd with this stuff is, I call it vacation rental inventory metrics. Hmm. You know, these are the metrics of actually acquiring new inventory. And, you know, I never even did it. You know, when I was on that side, I had like kind of an intuition about it. And, you know, I kind of knew like back a napkin, but I never actually went through the process. But it wasn't until I got into, you know, SaaS, software as a service, where metrics are so critical to yeah. your overall success of your business. And yeah. you, you literally have dashboards with all those metrics. It wasn't until I really started looking at that that I saw the correlation between vacation rental metrics and software metrics. Because you think about it, it's a very similar business model. It's 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 really a subscription business. You have recurring revenue. Like when you get on a new owner, 
you're going to keep that property on average about 10 years. Like mm. If you look at industry averages, and that's just predictable recurring revenue. And it's very similar to SaaS where you have this subscription. Now, obviously the margins aren't as high, um, but there are a lot of uh, similarities uh, into it um, for all. So I wish I wish we would have talked a little bit more about that. And I've done some some presentations on that where we talk about CAC, you know, your customer acquisition costs. Yeah. I talk about, you know, CAC recovery, you know, um, LTV, your lifetime value, and yep. then your what we call the, the holy grail of uh, all vacational inventory metrics. It's the uh, LTV to CAC ratio. So uh, pretty much like how much how much money are you going to make over the life of the, the the property in your program and what did it cost you to acquire it? And a lot of people have never really gone through this. So I, I've actually done a couple of webinars on this. I've spoken to uh, Darm about it. And I've done some uh, webinars that are on our YouTube channel, which I, I hope people get a chance to listen to. And the people that are nerds about this stuff, like me, love it. Yeah. But the problem is it's probably just a small, a sub, small subset, unless you're really into like math and metrics and data. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of like the the book's sort of like core target audience, like who who do you think it's it's really for? And and ideally, like don't say don't say everybody. Like who who, who do you think? One hundred percent not. I mean, yeah. So it's funny because you know we've got actually like four point eight stars on Amazon. The book is available on Amazon if you want to purchase it. Um, but it's like we have four point eight stars, and I was actually bummed. I saw that one of the reviews was like a three star. I was like, whoa, what happened? You know? Yeah. And it was an individual property uh, owner. Um, so that's why he reviewed. He said it was actually a good book, but it was uh, obviously not meant for for him. It was meant yeah. more for professional vacation rental managers, and that is our target market. Our our target market is anyone that is looking to grow up a grow a portfolio portfolio of short term vacation rental homes, not necessarily owning them. Um, although there's some tidbits in there that you can probably learn from it, but more so growing the management or the co-hosting aspect of it. Anybody that's looking to do that and build up a portfolio on the, uh, um, you know, the, the property management side or yeah. the co-hosting side, whatever vernacular you want to use, that is definitely the demographic. So it could be anything from, you know, you have one or two properties all the way up to a couple thousand. I mean, we've got Steve Schwab with Casigo and Ryan Dame uh, with over 4,000 properties, you know, and they were even, you know, talking about how much they learned from this. Yeah. Uh, and they wish they had this in the earlier days. It would have saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars as they, they grew that business. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm just super appreciative of you taking uh, taking this risk, throwing those LinkedIn posts out, uh, and and then aggregating all it all for 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 us. I think a lot of folks are going to benefit from it. Um, and for folks who do want to check out the book, please, you know, I'll have a link in the a link in the show notes where you can just uh, find it on Amazon and whatnot. I do, I do. Wanna... Make it real, I'll make it real easy. If you just go to Vintory.com/book, uh, you it free, redirects right to that page. So oh, Vintory.com/book goes straight to the Amazon page. Fantastic. Um, I. I I do want to kind of pick your brain around a, a few other like kind of core topics, just given that you have so, so much like industry knowledge, like you just dropped, I don't know, like a bunch of names and I, I only knew like half of them, um, which is just a testament, I think, Brooke, to like the, the work that you and, and the team have done in terms of sort of just speaking about Vintory's kind of like even core, core audience, you talked about this, this book and, and your guys' offerings really being around folks who, who want to grow, who want to grow a portfolio, right? And and, and want to dabble in whether it's kind of like co-hosting, um, co-managing, whether it's maybe they just want to go actually in a, and acquire their own properties, right? But that's going to take a, a, a longer time. How have you seen like your customer base kind of change over the last few years, if at all? Like, are you seeing a bunch of new operators kind of emerge more like startup uh, property managers, if, if you will, or, or is it really kind of like the same people that have just kind of like split off or done their own thing? Like I, a lot of folks that listen to my show, for instance, right? Like the, these folks are, are, are new hospitality entrepreneurs. Like they, 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 might not even know what like VRMA is, right? Like this is kind of the, but they, their companies did well. They might've sold a company. They might've had a company that, you know, uh, had a great exit uh, a couple years ago and they might've invested that money into buying land and now they're building a micro resort or like they're, they're very interested in, in this business, but, but they haven't been around long, right? So like, I'm just curious from your vantage point, what new operators, if any, are you seeing emerge and how and how quickly is that is that like rate of growth happening? Oh yeah. So I mean, your demographic is what I'm seeing. It's really the demographic of kind of the people that you know listen to your show and things like that are the exact ones that I see are growing unbelievably fast. Like it's um. So I went to the short term wealth conference with you know Bill and ah uh, yes. And 
And, um, and I, the, it, this is when it hit me. The first one I went, I've been to both. I, I spoke at the last one, but I went to the last two years. The first year I went, I remember just talking to people and going around and introducing myself and chatting with people and learning. It was so great. And I remember asking, like, you know, this is where it really hit me. I asked a gentleman that lived in San Antonio and the, the VRMA conference was going to be in San Antonio, like a month later or something. Okay. I'm like, Hey, did you, are you going to, or maybe it just happened a month earlier. I was like, Hey, did you go to VRMA or are you going to VRMA? And he goes, what's VRMA? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's only the largest national or international conference in our space. And it was in your backyard and you didn't even go, you never even heard of it. But that, and, but that I heard time and time again, I yeah. think I asked a dozen people you know, if they've ever heard of VRMA and not one of them said yes. So yeah. it's kind of cool. I love, I mean, some people, you know, I don't know, have not necessarily a negative connotation with it, but you know, the old guard yeah. uh, vacational managers, but I absolutely love it. It's yeah. new energy coming into this space that is bringing some new creative ideas and they're really smart and they're doing things differently. And yeah. I love that. And it, you know what, it allows everybody to grow. This industry is big enough uh, for everybody and it's just really cool to see that. So we have seen, so go back to really your original question, we definitely have seen uh, the demographics change a lot. So yes, we we have a large percentage of the old guard, you know, traditional, you know, resort vacation rental management companies, yeah. you know, in, in markets like Outer Banks, North Carolina and 30A, Florida and, and Gatlinburg and things like that. But we're also seeing a lot of these new new up and coming companies that, you know, started out by owning, a uh, you know, a handful, maybe five, 10, you know, 15 properties themselves. Yeah. And then decided, you know what, I can make just as much money, uh, you know, actually just co-hosting and, yeah. and managing other people's uh, properties. And I don't have to worry about getting the mortgages. I don't have to worry about uh, that side of it. And I can I can still make some significant money, which there are, by the way, and that was one of my presentations I did at the, the short term wealth conference was talking about. You can build up an incredible portfolio of homes and build net worth like you've never seen before by just managing those properties because you know there's a reason why a ton of private equity uh is coming into this space and rolling up uh vacation management companies because they're super valuable it's predictable recurring revenue um and you can actually sell those contracts and in fact if you look at there's a gentleman named jacoby Olin with c2g advisors they are the largest MA firm in this space. Huh. Um, he said publicly multiple times on stage, and you know we've had conversations about this uh, myself with him. Uh, last year, he did over $250 million worth of mergers and acquisitions. And the average contract, those management contracts or co-hosting contract, was worth $33,000 on average. Wow. You know, when you sell your company, that's really truly what you're selling. You're selling yeah. the management contracts. You're not yeah. selling your guest database, your beautifully wrapped truck, your office, like you're selling those management contracts and they are super, super valuable. So you can build out some net worth. If you think about it, do some back and, you know, napkin yeah. numbers, you know, you can, you can make a couple million dollars by building up a portfolio of homes that you don't even own. You yeah. just manage. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. And from, from, again, from my vantage point, which is, which is, uh, without all of this like incredible history that that you have um brooke I, you know i see friends and folks who are like hey i want to go and i want to basically build the management company for unique stays or like i want to be known as like the treehouse person like you know there are all these like high-end ridiculously like you know beautiful instagram worthy kind of stays that are popping up there's not like a leading management company right now in terms of like who do you who, who's like really crushing it when it comes to unique stays, right? Like there's not there's not a well-known management company that does that, right? And a lot of these a lot of these stays, right, are are in like secondary or tertiary like markets or like they're 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 not in traditional vacation destinations, right? And so it's just it's just interesting, right, seeing from from my vantage point anyways, seeing these, you know, entrepreneurs that really want to get into hospitality, right? And, and and you know, want to get into real estate investing, but but again, want to want to do it in kind of like a, a unique different way. And and so I think that there's a ton that they need to learn from people like you. Um but then, you know, th there's also I think a lot that the old guard if we, you know, we keep calling them that, but like folks who've just like, you know, they they've built the business, they've made the industry what it is today. There's also a lot that I think that they can learn from these these newer folks uh, who have really big ideas and, and they're not all they're not all idiots. And like yeah. some of their nightly rates are like remarkable. Some of them are actually a lot more profitable than I think folks would would think. So it, it's just it, it's just like a really, I think, exciting time. And what, what I think is interesting about you and in, in, in inventory and again, excuse my like ignorance here, but like, do you guys have like a 
bunch of competitors? Like, is is there somebody else in this space that's like helping folks acquire kind of the right fit homes for their respective portfolios, or or are you guys pretty pretty unique here? Yeah. So uh, one of my favorite books is a book called Blue Ocean Strategy, and yeah. it talks about how you know build a business where the competition doesn't matter. You really don't have any competition, and uh, there's many you know case studies throughout that book where they talk about it. But I, I love that book, and really that's what I did here. So mm. you know when I started Ventory, we didn't have any competition. There's a couple of tiny little companies floating out there that are doing some things like kind of like it, but okay. not really. Um, when it's all said and done, we really we've got a lock on this, and uh, you know, definitely the strongest brand in the space. And um, I love it. It's uh, you know, it's we're, we're head down, focused on solving the problem. We're going to continue to do that. Um, you know, and I shared this quote with you before. You know, it's like we we hold the partner tightly, we hold the problem we're trying to solve tightly, we hold the solution loosely. Yeah. And what can we do? You know, how can we evolve? If you look at how we've evolved over the last four and a half years. Um, you know, we started as really a consulting agency, then mm. we uh, shifted to a marketing agency, then we bolted on like off the shelf software. Now we're we're a full like I would say 85% of our businesses revolves around data and software. Wow. Um, so it's really, um, it's funny how but we've we've always held the partner tightly, we've always held the solution. Uh, the, uh, you know, so we've really focused on that, solving that pain point and yeah. solving the problem. That's been our core focus uh, from the beginning. So yeah, which is um, which is what my uh, uh, suspicion was was that you guys were sort of had carved a, a, a unique uh, space for yourself because I again don't haven't heard of anyone else doing doing what you guys are doing. Um, but I guess my question for you then is like, I, I'm curious about the opportunity that you see, right? Like you you're an entrepreneur, you know you've you you were in in the industry, you built a company from zero to five hundred properties very quickly, like you are now on on kind of this the vendor side of things right like you built this company and, and now your your clients are these are these uh vacation rental management companies you have a really unique perspective like where where do you see gaps like what where where are opportunities for young entrepreneurs who like hospitality and are really interested in this in this asset class where where do, where do you see room to that 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 could be filled yeah, I don't know if there's any specific. I, 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 you know, I don't know any specific gaps, but I mean, there's lots of different things. But I, I will say this: like, we are in the early. We are still in the early innings. Even yeah. though vacation rentals have been around for hundreds of years, if you think about it, there was vacation rentals before there was hotels. You know, that's yeah. how people traveled. You know, um, but we're still in the early innings, and it's one of those things where I think there's estimates. You know, last I checked, there was like 2.2 million vac short-term vacation rentals in the U.S. Like that's kind of like the most accurate number that I think we've okay. experts have, have say, said. Um, but if you like look at Brian Chesky, I think he estimates that that the number will grow to probably seven or eight million dollars, or seven or eight million uh, homes in the next you know decade or so. Wow. Assuming he's right. Wow. That's a growth of like four x the yeah. supply. <laughs> there, that is a major major impact. We've got a lot of room to grow, and there's going to be lots of different things that are going to end up happening here. That will really disrupt that and um the, the, that's what i love i just love being in this industry i love seeing the growth i love seeing i love technology i mean i think we're probably the greatest time uh ever so even though it feels like it's been around forever and it has been around forever we're still definitely in the early innings for for sure yeah yeah last minute cancellations suck and that's why we built ping ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite airbnbs become available Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. Do you think um, in terms of in terms of like software, right? And um, 
what like from from my vantage point, I have I have a background in in um, growth marketing, and so uh, in, in a totally different industry. And from my perspective, coming into this space, like a lot of the software is. Um, it seems to be like quite cobbled together, and I think a lot of that has been has been just because there've been lots of acquisitions and, and you know of smaller you know PMS systems and whatnot, and the the, the checkout experience for for the guests is is nowhere near as seamless uh, on on any quite frankly in, from my perspective PMS site as it is on on like an Airbnb or or, or another OTA. What what are the gaps specifically in the software space that that you see like? Do you, do, first of all, you could totally disagree with with what I just said. Feel free to do so. Um, but but if you if you do agree that there's kind of like room to grow here, what what technology do you think is missing that would be wonderfully helpful to someone who's trying to grow and scale their vacation rental business? Or or is it like no no no, it, it's all there. It just needs some some tweaks. But but we're mostly there. I wish I, I wish I had that, uh, that crystal ball. Um, you know, I mean, look, I think the standard answer is something related to, to AI, obviously. I think, I mean, I know all these different, you know, blockchain and, and, uh, web 3.0 and all these things have been all hyped up. And yeah. then now the next one is, you know, chat GBT and, and yeah. AI, but I really believe that AI will be as disruptive as, you know, the internet was, yeah. it'll be as disruptive as the mobile phone was, um, so I think we're, we, we don't even know the impact it's going to have. And we really try to like proactively at Ventory, we, we, we have every, every all hands, we actually go around the entire team and talk about how they are leveraging AI wow. in their business. And the reason we do that is what we want to do is we want to get everyone used to using this because it had, it will have such an impact to the overall industry and the overall, overall business that we're doing that if we're not at the forefront of that, we're totally going to be disrupted and we're going to be out of business. Yeah. Um, so how do we, how do we leverage that? We've got some cool stuff I'll be announcing here. Maybe the next time I come on the show, yeah. I'll be leveraging some, some new products that we're ready to launch that are, are leveraging some AI, but I think it's going to be a complete game changer. I know that word is overused, but I, I really truly believe it. So um, I don't have exactly what it is. I, yeah. I do think that every single Every every single software platform will have AI wrapped into it for yeah. sure, um, but at the same time, I think there's going to be some you know AI first companies that are completely disruptive, that really completely just uh, turn this industry upside down. Yeah, yeah. No, I I couldn't agree with you more there, and it'll be it'll just be really interesting to see how this continues to play out. Speaking of being like really really early, obviously we're incredibly early uh, in understanding how generative AI is going to. To, to just change the way that we we quite frankly all live and all work um and and probably like maybe even all think so i, I do want to ask you a couple of questions around just trends that you've seen from your your seat at adventory around when you're working with a, a client and they are interested in in growing in a particular area have you seen any shifts or trends in in kind of like desire for for where folks want to grow is for for an example right like is it mostly folks coming saying hey like i want to grow my inventory in uh, this particular market i've already got three places i want to get to 30 in the next four years you know, you know or is it like hey i've really figured out how to do these like yeah, you know, ten bedroom beachfront homes. Well, I, I've nailed this. Now I, I'm really interested in sort of like expanding into more luxury cabins in like the Smoky Mountains or something like that. Like, like, what can you tell us about trends or shifts in 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 uh, business owner behavior around what kind of what kind of inventory they're they're looking for to grow their respective business? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple things. Well. The traditional model was, you know, always where when we first even launched Ventory was it was very traditional, like, hey, I'm in Gatlinburg and I need to grow my inventory, my supply right here. Hmm. Or I'm in Outer Banks, North Carolina. I want to launch. I want to, you know, get a, an office, get a big, you know, big office, get a lot of square footage. And I want to, you know, grow uh, here. It, it, that has shifted into you're seeing a lot of these uh, smaller, call it the new, the new guard where they want to take inventory in multiple markets. It yeah. doesn't matter yeah. uh, where they are. So maybe they might only have two properties in one market, one property in another market, five properties in another market, where they might own a handful of properties kind of interspersed without that. So that was a big shift I've seen. Um, I've seen some shift into, uh, like and I, you kind of alluded to this a little bit before, and I actually think this is brilliant. It's like focusing on a niche. I'm a big yeah. believer. One of my favorite quotes is riches and niches. Yeah. 
Like, what is that niche that you can own? You know, to be the best, be the best on the planet at one thing. Think yeah. small, like yeah. niche down. What can you do to kind of own that niche and do it? Um, I bought the domain. I mean, gosh, it's probably been six or seven years. I've never done anything with it. But to give you an idea, I bought the domain justyurts.com. So the idea <laughs> was to create almost like a, a marketing platform or like an OTA for just yurts. Yeah. It's like, or, you know, just aframes.com, like, you know, like how do you, or just treehouses.com, like niche down, be the best on the planet at one thing. Um, I, I had an idea about a decade ago to create, uh, just a, only a pet friendly website. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? And I yeah. think those are kind of opportunities. So, you know, Larry Hoffer has a, a company called, uh, take pause, uh, like, you know, like a <laughs> dog's paws or cat's paws, Amazing um, which name. I thought was kind of play on words, which I thought was a great idea. But I think those, those little niches are a, a great, uh, opportunity. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. And it'll be really interesting again, to see how, how, you know, things, things change and shift. And I think one of the interesting thing about these kind of like unique stays or, 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 or niching down here is that so much of. I think if you're interested in building sort of like an independent hospitality brand, and by independent, I mean something that can stand beyond just just an OTA, if that's something that you desire, obviously social media, right, and 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 your your website is going to be incredibly important. And quite frankly, like when it comes to gathering content, it's a lot easier to gather really interesting, compelling content when it's a unique stay versus just yep. a more traditional beach house, right? And and again, nothing wrong with that. That's a great model. It's just it's it's a little bit it's a little bit different. But if you're if you're, you know, really trying to grow your your brand and you can be like the treehouse guy, right? Or or whatever it is, yep. and and it, there there's a plethora of like really interesting content that you can play with and that you can use, yep. right? To to help grow your your brand and, and your respective business. So, it'll just be interesting to see how folks like to, to your point, niche down. And I mean, even if you want just like a free idea to, you don't know where to start, just go to Airbnb, look at their categories, right? And like, yeah. hey, <laughs> they're, they're, they're niching down for us, right? Like we are stepping into an environment, like this is something I'm really passionate about at Spontaneous, where it's like, we're, we're moving into this model of, 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 you know, curation, right? Being, being more important uh, than, than anything else. And there's so much information. It's so unbelievably overwhelming, right? Our, our attention is so unbelievably scattered that the smartest platforms in the world, right, are really trying to figure out how do we curate Zach's experience for this particular, you know, evening uh, to the best of our ability. And I think that like the same thing can be said for, for, for marketing, right? It's like, how, how do we do a really, really, really good job at curating experiences as opposed essentially like telling people what they should look at because we know enough about them versus just trusting them to find it on their own, which was, you know, the, the model not too long ago. So it'll just be really interesting to see how all these trends continue to, you know, matriculate for lack of a better word. Well, imagine, you know, a or. Airbnb is going to have so much information on you and you can maybe enter in, you know, some basic pieces of information, but it's also going to learn from your, your running habits, Yeah, you know, where it's going to now have customized uh, displays specifically for you based on where you've rented previously, what kind of properties you've done. Maybe you answer a couple of basic pieces of, uh, of information, a couple of questions, and it's going to give you a very different experience than maybe I would, or you yeah. would. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we're that far off from from that you know happening for sure yeah yeah no it, it's it's unbelievably exciting i keep waiting i put this out on on twitter the other day about like how it i'm surprised this isn't already the thing the the case and it must just be because they don't have enough of the hosts just haven't uploaded enough photos but like the seasonality shifts of like you know the featured photos on airbnb listing if i'm looking for a place in october i should the five featured photos or whatever it is should all be like foliage right and it should be beautiful like it, assuming i'm looking at a place where fall happens right and the fact and then if i'm looking at over christmas and, and january for a ski trip those those photos should change so it, it's a it's surprising to me that this isn't already available but i'm sure it's coming very very soon to a theater near us <laughs> I, I read your post and I was like, man, Zach is spot on on that. I thought it was so good. <laughs> um, well, if anyone from Airbnb is listening, uh, please hurry <laughs> up on that. Um, it'll be it'll be really cool. Well, a couple of final questions for you, Brooke, before before we wrap here. One is just around 
Uh, and and again, I, I apologize for asking so many like relatively abstract questions or, or big picture questions. But it's not it's not like every day that I get to talk to somebody who I think has a very progressive outlook on kind of like the future of the industry, but also has just a fantastic uh, you know history uh, behind you. And your your network is obviously really really fantastic. So uh, apologies for kind of like the big thirty thousand foot questions. But <laughs> I'm curious to, to to just get your your candid thoughts on like the the future right like the the next two to three years maybe we can go up to five years let's say of the industry like where do you see like biggest opportunities what are like the biggest threats that you see to the industry you know what does brook unfiltered if you will think about best possible outcomes for the industry over the next three to five years and then the things that could really 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 hurt us well, obviously, regulation is our biggest threat that we have 100%. Like, that's why, again, we're donating all profits from this book towards uh, advocacy efforts, because we have to take a proactive stance to this. And and just because you think that vacation rentals in your backyard are like, you know, a big part of your community does not mean that you can't get five, uh, you know, older people, you know, in their 80s that decide to, you know, they don't want it in their backyard anymore. So definitely, we have to be proactive on this stuff uh, and take advantage of it. So that's the biggest threat. But you know, just as far as like, you know, if I squint out into the future and I love this, I love this part of it and just think of like new trends that might be coming and where we might be heading. I mean, there's a couple different things. I mean, first, I really see there's this, like these hybrid spaces. Hmm. It's this blurring of the lines between short-term rentals, long-term rentals. Like, you know, so imagine going to a place, you know, if I wanted to go, you know, make it up to um, Charleston, South Carolina, I yeah. could literally rent it for a night. I could rent it for a week. I could rent it for a month. Mm. I could rent it for a year, you yeah. know, if I wanted to. Um, so where, you know, traditionally they had some of these like corporate housing where you could do rent, you know, uh, annual rents. But I think you're just going to see this blurring of, of spaces. Um, and I think there's a couple companies that are already doing that. Um, but I think that's going to be uh, interesting to to see over time. And I think that's what like Chesky is really, you know, bullish on as well. It's yeah. like trying to go more into, you know, actually leveraging Airbnb to use it to like, like I've got a daughter at college right now in state college up in Pennsylvania for, for Penn state university. And like, you know, maybe there's this thing where she could rent there for a couple months, you know, like she's, she's uh, you know, maybe she's graduating early, you know, yeah. one semester, she's going to do a study abroad, but she can just rent it for three months and then she can leave. Or she, if she wanted to come rent it for the place for the, the weekend, I don't know. I just, I think there's gonna be a blurring. Um, I've also like, one of the favorite, my favorite books is a book called Subscribed by Tian Zhu. Hmm. Um, and it talks about, he was like employee number three at Salesforce. Okay. And he, he saw the evolution of subscription and he, he's framed, uh, framed this thing called subscription of economy. And we are moving to subscription economy. I mean, in, in the early days, think about it, like nobody thinks twice about subscription software. Like they, everybody does it. Right. Yeah. But when they first started doing this, like people thought you were crazy. Um, you know, used to go to, you know, go down to CompUSA and buy your CD in a box and then load it into your computer and then you owned it forever, yeah. you know? <laughs> and then if you wanted to get an upgrade, you bought the next version that came out. Well, now this like, you know, this uh, new evolution of subscription is very normal. But Tien talks about in the book that everything is moving to subscription. Hmm. Um, and you like it, you're already seeing it right now with cars. People are actually subscribing to cars. I think Volvo has a subscription service. Cadillac has one. Porsche has one. Wow. But I think there's going to be something as, um, you know, I call it like travel as a service or tasks, right? Yeah. Where we're moving to this subscription where you'll um, you can have this. I don't know, like just maybe you subscribe to it. It's almost like the reinvention of a timeshare. Yep. Oh, yes. Subscribe to, and I know timeshare has such a negative connotation, but I think you can do it in a right way Yeah. Um, where you subscribe to a vacation club service and you get access to inventory all over the world, Yeah. you know, and use it as you see fit. Um, yeah. There's something there. I don't know any, I mean, Inspirato tried to do something similar to that. They have something kind of cool with their, it's called their uh, Inspir Inspirato Pass, which I think is a cool concept. I think they've you got some bumps along the way, but I think there's something there. And I just I'm waiting for somebody to invent that. Yeah. And I just I, I can't wait to see it. And uh, yeah, if anybody wants to invent it, like uh, I'm happy to help them out because I think it's a cool concept. I, I freaking love this idea. I think you're you're spot on. Um, I'm also surprised that it hasn't happened already. I think it's probably it probably just comes down to like what it what is the economic case? Who's that core customer? I mean, it is it is a wonderfully like complex problem if you really start thinking about it. But 
whoever can crack that nut, um, I, I mean, I'm here for it, right? I, I, I've been wondering too if like these, the, you know, the wonders of the world and like the summers that are, you know, that are popping up, e- even these, even, even like a here, like people that are, are essentially have these, like, you know, uh, these funds that you can invest in, that they manage, uh, they buy and hold, and, and, and many of them are also managing these these short term rentals. To me, it's sort of like, hey, your your investor community just becomes your members, right? And and find a, find a way to you know work that out so that I can go and I can stay at any wander in the world because I am a wander, you know, uh, I'm invested in their REIT or or whatever it is, right? Like that's maybe step one, and then step two is like, okay, how do you how do you make this accessible to to anyone, regardless of if they're actually an investor in the company or not? But but yeah, it, it must just be a deliciously like complex problem, otherwise. It, it it should be here already. Like it really should be here already. Yeah, like I said, Inspirato I think got is the closest to it. Uh, they had some baggage because they started a little bit with a different model, but okay. um, I think they're with their subscription pass. It's kind of cool because you can you can book any property and you can stay as many times as you want. So you pay a monthly subscription. Yeah, you can stay as many times as you want, but you can only book the property once you check out. It's how I understand it. Okay. So if you think about it, if you wanted to travel every single week, all you're doing is booking the properties that are about to burn. Yeah. Right. That are about to, you know, cause it's, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> um, so it's, a, it's kind of a cool concept from that, but if you book it out six months in advance to get the best property, you can't stay at anything in the next six months. So yeah. it's actually a brilliant business model. And I think somebody's going to replicate that. Um, but the key is again, with everything, if you look at the OTAs, you look at professional hosts, pro- professional vacational managers, it all comes to supply. Yeah, it all comes to this right having the right supply. Yeah, and that's where again, not to have a shameless plug for inventory, <laughs> but that's what we do. We're the supply people. We help people grow their supply. Yeah. Ah, uh, Brooke, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate the time getting to chat with you. I always uh, enjoy enjoy just kind of like seeing firsthand how your brain works. It's 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 a lot of fun. Um, for folks tuning in, I'll have links to Brooke's book, Vacation Rental Secrets, in the show notes below. Also, a link to Vintory. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about growing your inventory and just trying to evaluate how to how to best uh, grow uh, your your business, be sure to check out their their offerings. Um, they've also got some exciting news coming uh, soon. So if you're not already following them on social media and or if you're not already connected to Brooke, I'll have his LinkedIn uh, in. In the in the show notes as well, and then I'll have a, a, a link to all of Ventory's uh, social handles there as well. Brooke, thank you so much for your time. It's been a it's been a real pleasure. Absolutely loved it. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote-unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.